Hey, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Water Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I hope the next few minutes encourage you and cause you to live a life further after the things of God. Enjoy. Well, we're going we're gonna to get into permission today, and what's really cool is I believe God gave me some really cool insights into the permissions that he's given us as believers, and it comes through various prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed various prayers that Paul prayed. So we're going to look at permission, the answered prayers of Paul. Now, we won't look at where Paul prayed it, and then in the Bible he answered it. We are going to be the answer to the prayers that Paul prayed. How cool is that? We get to be the answer to the prayers that Paul prayed. Now, you've heard the phrase, it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. For, F. Enough for to what to what's that phrase to knit kitten britches or something like that? Um, so I got to make sure I say for not fur. But anyway, um, what if though we didn't have to ask for forgiveness? We already got to operate within the realm of the permission we've been given. Think about that. What if we already operated within the realm of authority that God has given us? that there was no more asking for forgiveness, there was just living in the permission He's given us. What if, what if permission wasn't so much about do's and don'ts, but it was about walking in authority? The permission God has given me isn't, again, this realm of you can do this and you can't do that. It's written in the realm of you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Paul said that I've had much and I've had little. But what I've learned to do is I can do it all with Christ who gives me strength. So through this time that we have together, I want us to operate or or maybe change our thought process and go beyond the can-dos, can-nots and move into the realm of I can. So I sat down yesterday for a couple of hours with a few men and women that are uh, ministers, jail ministers, and we did some basic training and I had three, two or three pages of do's and don'ts and I had more don'ts than do's. You, you can smile a lot. I just do smile a lot. Um, do tell about Jesus. And there was a lot of, don't ask them what they're in here for. Don't uh, take pictures. Don't relay messages. All these do's and don'ts. But I, I want us to be reminded in here that we don't live in do's and don'ts, believe it or not. Because when you grab hold of the authority that God has given us, it's not in this place of, I'm going to press the envelope of what I can't do. We're going to walk in the realm of what we can do, not even considering the realm of what we cannot do. Are you following me? It's a mindset. It's a transition. It's a place. You see, a hired hand works in the realm of what is in their job description, but sons have free reign of the place, and I mean daughters too. You see, in the kingdom of God, we are not hired hands, we are sons and daughters. 
There is no off limits to the house. A hired hand can't just go and open the refrigerator and help themselves, but sons and daughters can go wherever they please. So what does it mean, the word permission? Well, my pet peeve, one of my biggest pet peeves, is when I go to look up a definition the description or the, or the definition uses the word. The definition for permission is to permit somebody. Well, thanks. So I looked up the word permit. Much better. And I got some, listen to this. Permit is to consent to, ex, to expressly or formally permit access. There's that word. Thanks. To give leave or authorize, to make possible Bible says all things are possible, right? To, I love this. To give opportunity. So I want to look together today at one of the many, I think we're going to look at four or five different prayers of Paul over the next few weeks. But Ephesians, we're going to look right at one of the Pauline epistles. Ephesians chapter 1. By the way, Pauline epistles are not his wives. Those are the, that's a bad joke, I'm sorry. It's one of, this is... His, uh, one of his books that he wrote. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to set the stage up to the prayer in which he has written. And it's, he addresses Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Listen, before I even get to the prayer, imagine the authority that he walked in by the nature of knowing who he was. Do you know who you are? Can you address a crowd and say, I am this in the body of Christ. I am this in the kingdom of God. Can you open up the door, walk into a room and say, Hi, I am, state your name, and I am this in the kingdom of God. Do you know your place? Do you walk in the authority right out the gate? When you enter a room, is it obvious who you are in the kingdom of God? Now, I'm not talking in the, in the realm of pride. I'm talking in the realm of confidence. You see, Paul opened the door, so to speak, in this book. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. And this is how I got there. It's by the will of God. And I'm here to tell every one of you, there's a will of God. There's a plan of God for your life. There's a purpose of God for your life. And it is to walk in a realm of authority that's granted to you by being heirs to Christ, or of Christ, or heirs of God with Christ. And we're going to look at that scripture here in just a little bit. But you've got to understand who you are in Christ. To know what the Bible says you are, and if you don't know who that is or what that is, the answer is found here, and I can't tell you who you are in Christ because it would just be empty words found on the end of my tongue, but you've got to get into this, and you've got to discover what this says you are. Amen? So moving on. This, he says after that, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God. <coughs> Excuse me. Blessed be, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, listen, with every spiritual blessing, blessing in heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. I want to address that real quick too. Maybe I'll get, maybe I'll get to my, my points and my notes, but, but look at the, the language here. Look at what He is saying here. That we should be holy and blameless before Him. He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before Him. Where does this holy and blameless come from? It is before Him. This means there's something that is done within His presence. I understand through Scripture that none of us is good. No, not one. None of us is righteous. No, not one. So if none of us is good and none of us is righteous, how on earth can we be before Him holy and blameless? And it goes all the way back to what His Son did by dying on the cross, bridging a gap, making it possible so that when He looks at you and He looks at me, He doesn't see our sins, He sees His Son. And the key to that is those two words beyond the period before verse 5, and it says, in love. Greater love has no man than he that would lay his life down for a friend. You see, there was a day when at the very beginning, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit saw man in their trespasses and they began a process to redeem you and me. He saw a way so that you and I could enter back into fellowship with God the Father and that was through Jesus Christ and it was in love and when he sees you and me, he doesn't see what you did yesterday. He doesn't see what you put in your body or what you looked at. He sees Jesus. And what you have to do is understand your place, understand your authority, understand his work. Call yourself his and live therefore in the benefits of it. Amen. And then moving on, in love he predestined us for adoption. Here it is, as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he, love this word, lavished. Wow. It's an awesome word. He lavished. This isn't just he, he kind of gave us a little bit. It's, it's, it's this outpouring, this abundant giving. He lavished upon us. And how in all wisdom and insight. It blows my mind that it's in his wisdom that he has done this for us. It's in his wisdom. It confounds me that he would think that I am worthy enough to even stand up here and talk to you today. And I'm here to say I'm not the worthy one. He's the worthy one. And when he's looking down in this room today or walking in this room amongst us today. He's not seeing Jeff and my iniquities and transgressions. He's seeing Jesus and the sacrifice. Because that's 
what makes it so possible for him to even pour out his love upon us in this place. And that's his wisdom and insight. And it's making known to us the mystery of his will. What's the mystery? Why is this considered a mystery? You see, going back to the beginning, God set out a path to redeem his people, the Jewish people, the Israelites. And all of a sudden, one day, Jesus comes and he sets the stage so that you and I, the Gentiles, can enter into his is beloved. That's a mystery. But not because we are confused by it or not because we don't get to understand it. It's a mystery because we get to walk into something that prior to Jesus was impossible. But because of Jesus, it's made possible. And it's just according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Oh, love that word too. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love towards all the saints. Verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So here we go. Set the stage. Remembering you in my prayers. And in verse 17, he says that. So now he's going to tell him, or tell the, the church in Ephesus what he's been praying. And he says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, listen to this, may give you the spirit, of, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He who worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put things under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all and all. So we see in this prayer of Paul four great permissions that were given. Primarily verses 17 through 19. So the first permission that we're going to look at <coughs> is we're given permission to receive the Holy Spirit for wisdom and revelation. We're given permission to receive the Holy Spirit for wisdom and revelation. So why don't we figure out a little more about the Holy Spirit. Can we, can we look at the Trinity, the, the, the third person of the Godhead in, for just a minute? Look at his characteristics. Look at what he does. And he is a he. He's, a, 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 he's not this nebulous out there thing that we try to avoid or try not to understand. We can understand some things about 
the Holy Spirit. We can understand what He does. We can understand that the Holy Spirit empowers. But first, let's look at this about the Holy Spirit. And you can just go to the title, the title slide for just a little bit. Because I don't have notes, I don't have this up there. Uh, the first thing that we can see about the Holy Spirit is He teaches. That's cool. That helps us point for wisdom and revelation. John 14, 26 in the NIV translation says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. What a great thing. You, have you ever been in that place where you've been reading the Word and, and looking at things and, and really in His presence and you've gone to talk to somebody about God or uh, uh, things, circumstances come up and you found yourself quoting Scripture you didn't even know you knew? You see, that's how the Holy Spirit works. Or you've had, been talking to somebody and you felt like you just had insight over their situation that you just, how, how would you know that? But you did. You see, that's how the Holy Spirit teaches and He gives counsel. One of the most important aspects of the Holy Spirit is he testifies of Christ. Can I get a witness? It's kind of that kind of testify. John 15, 26 says, When the counselor comes who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. This is Jesus speaking. So how cool is it that when you go out and you begin to tell people about Jesus that he's gone out and he's set the stage? The Holy Spirit has set the stage. And that's a cool thing about what the Holy Spirit does. See, sets the stage. He testifies of who Jesus is. And the part that is hard to deal with because oftentimes... People don't join churches like this because they don't want to deal with their flesh and they don't want to deal with their sins head on. They want to go to church, feel good about themselves, and they want to go home and take their Sunday afternoon nap. And We can come here and we can feel good about ourselves and we can feel good about what God is doing, but here's the deal. God does want to convict us of our sins. Not so that he can beat us and make us feel bad, but so that we can live more victorious lives in him. And you see in John 16, 8, it says, when he comes, referring to the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of guilt or will expose the guilt of the world in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. You see, the Holy Spirit convicts. He just does. You see, when I'm convicted, I'm not condemned. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh. You see, I want to be in Christ. And when I'm in Christ, and He begins to reveal things in my life that I need to deal with, that's cool. Because the more I deal with those things, the closer I get to walk with him and the goal let me just tell you this today and I'm going to go out on a limb in this room and say this and I mean it with all of my heart the goal in his for his life within our lives is to get us closer to what Adam and Eve walked in in the garden before we get to heaven 
And we've got to deal with and allow this conviction to pull out those things that continually keep us from avoiding the garden. Now, are we going to walk in the Garden of Eden today? No. But are we going to be able to somehow encounter this back and forth communion, arm in arm walk, this reality of friendship with God that Adam and Eve once had? I believe that we can get there someday. And that's why the Holy Spirit convicts. We also know this about the Holy Spirit. He leads. And I I need the leading of the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't I want to submit to the greatest leader there ever was? Romans 8, 14 says, Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And if I'm being led by the Spirit of God, then I must be. Or daughter. I'm not a daughter, but some of you all are daughters. He reveals truth. But when the Spirit in John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into truth. Have you ever walked into a situation and just said, something just doesn't seem right here? This just isn't. And, and when you walked away, you saw the hand of God protecting you? He strengthens and He encourages. We need that. Acts 9.31, when the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, they enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged. How? By the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. He comforts. I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. John 14.16. He helps us and He intercedes in our weakness. Is it safe to say that we do have weaknesses though? Yeah? And how cool is it that he helps us in our weakness and he intercedes for us. Romans 8, 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot express. I love this. 1 Corinthians 2, 11, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Even the deep things of God. You know, he searches the deep things of God. And if we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit indwells us and abides within us and we are able to hear from and and have this encounter with the Holy Spirit where he speaks to us and he gives us insights, then if he is searching the deep things of God, then isn't it safe to say that we must have this deeper, because of him, have this deep exchange with the wisdom and the knowledge, the things that God must know. Listen, we don't become God, but we do have some things that he gets to give us wisdom over. We ought to have the best performing businesses. We ought to be able to have the greatest insights at work. We ought to be able to do some things because of the insight that he gives us that no one else could. We should be able to develop the greatest sounds in music. We ought to be able to do some things that no one else can do because of the deep things that we get from God. Listen, if we're made in God's image, look at this in thought, the thought of this scripture. I want to read 1 Corinthians 2.11 again. And let us think about this in, in the reality of we're made in God's image. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For whom among men knows the thoughts of man except for the man's 
spirit within him. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. Other thing we know about the Holy Spirit is he sanctifies. He sanctifies. Romans 15, 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty proclaiming the gospel of God so that Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We're made right by the Holy Spirit. Or he bears witness is another one here. He bears witness or he testifies. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So, how cool is it that permission number one is we receive the Holy Spirit for wisdom and revelation? Permission number two, taken straight from Ephesians 1, found in those parts of Scripture within 17 and 19. We are given permission to know the hope to which He has called us. Remember, we opened up with knowing the hope to which Paul has been called. And maybe if he's got this confidence, we should be able to tap into that confidence. Verse 18 there, he says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Every last one of us has been called. 2 Timothy 1, 8-9, through Therefore do not be ashamed of the gospel about our Lord nor of me, his prisoner, but I share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and has called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Let's talk about hope for just a minute. Hope is that undercurrent that keeps us standing strong when things seem to be dying or falling apart around us. Hope keeps our eyes looking up when the weights of the world are causing our heads to droop down. Hope is that thing that makes us press in till the end. Hope is that gleaming uh, thing that, that allows us to see maybe the light at the end of the tunnel and it's not the train coming for us. Hope. Third permission. We're given permission to know his glorious inheritance. What does that look like? We're, we're set to, to have an inheritance. Even if my parents had millions for me to inherit, it's nothing compared to the inheritance that he has for me. Even if I had won the lottery last week, The inheritance that I could leave for my kids doesn't even hold a candle to the inheritance that I have coming. And how do I know that I have an inheritance? First off, we read in verse 18, the latter part, that we, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? I'm a saint, not of Catholic tradition, but because I call myself his, he calls me his. But Romans 8, 15 through 17, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, listen to this, that we are children of God, and of children then heirs, and heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Now here's the caveat, provided 
we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You see, we suffer with him not to the measure in which he suffered, for he hung on a cross. But he is also glorified. You know, we've got to deal with some stuff within us, but there comes a point when we are exalted and elevated or edified with him and glorified with him. But what is the inheritance? What are we given permission to inherit? Everlasting life, eternity, blessings upon this earth. Our souls would prosper and be in good, or that we would prosper and be in good health just as our souls prosper. That we would experience some sort of heaven on this side of eternity. We're given permission to know his glorious inheritance. We're given permission, number four, to know the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us. We see that in the latter part of, or in in the first part of verse 19. Continuing on, his prayer, or as Paul demonstrates his prayer, that he wants us to know the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us. But we have to believe. Now, closing up the, the prayer, looking at what does this immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe look like? Well, in verse 19, and, and these are kind of back there if you need to jump around a little bit. I, I don't have them after this slide, but you can find verse 19 if you are so inclined. And he goes on to say, according to the working of his great might. And how do we know it's this great might? Well, verse 20, that he worked in Christ. How? When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and far above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I like this. And he put all things under his feet. I think it's time to address some things and put them under his feet because they're all there anyway. Maybe it's time to remind ourselves where the authority lies. Maybe it's time to remind ourselves who's in control and remind ourselves that permission today is not about do's and don'ts, but walking in the fact that all things are under the feet of God. So what are you battling What fears have crept in this week? That phrase you may have heard, let go and let God. What are you trying to be in control of that really he needs to have control of? When was the last time you gave a family member back to God for him to handle the circumstance they're going through? your health, your job hunt. It's time to realize that he is in control. 
And, and regarding the church today, it goes on, and he gave him his head over all things to the church. We realize from verse 23, the church is his body. And look at this, the fullness of him, of him who fills all in all. I want to close with this, Romans 8, 11. Does the spirit of the one who bought, brought Jesus back to life live in you? And we just stop there for just a second. There's a, there's a question posed in scripture right here. Does the spirit of the one who bought Jesus or brought Jesus back to life live in you? Ask yourself, does the spirit of God of the one who brought Jesus back, let me back up. Does the spirit of the one who brought Jesus back to life live in me? Personalize it for just a minute. Does he live in me? Because it goes on to say, the one who brought Christ back to life will also make your mortal bodies alive by his spirit who lives in you. So I want to ask you this morning, how do you answer that question? How do you answer that question? Does the spirit of the one who brought Jesus back to life live in you? See, the way that plays out in your life is getting real with your eternity. Getting real with your walk with Him. Getting real with your decision to say yes. To get off the fence. To make a full-on commitment to go all in in service towards God. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we could use your support. And there's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our church plant here in northeastern Oklahoma that God is totally blessing all of our efforts, but also in the area of support. If you want to give financially to what we're doing, you can go to our website at WLMiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I. Dot com and click on the Give tab and go through the process there to contribute. And also, if you are in the area near Miami, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning, why don't you join us for our live experience at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you. God bless.